Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat to all the action. Making a lineup for DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Just draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap, and then sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 23, as Andy and I have one of the more unique podcasts, as the New York Rangers are actually playing live against the Philadelphia Flyers. So if you're watching the game at this moment, Chris Kreider just banged home goal number two, and the Rangers make it a 3-2 game. But first, I have to ask Andy, how are you doing? What a hectic week it's been. Uh... Both my personal life, just with work commitments, it's been kind of hectic. And especially with everything that's happening with the Rangers, it's just when it rains, it pours. Uh, and you know what? Now they say that I'm probably that's probably what the name of this episode is going to be. We've been coining them on the fly recently. So I'm going to say when it rains, it pours. Um, everything that's going on with Panarin, last minute additions, uh, players getting added to the COVID list last minute uh, for, with protocol. You know, still missing players to injury. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. And I mean, it's just this season is unlike any other, obviously, with the what teams are up against and how that lines up with expectations. And especially where you feel like it, because if you don't, if you just have a poor stretch, you're, you can pretty much be out of it. And we saw a coaching change uh, 
up north just because teams just don't have the the luxury of time they usually do to try to get out of skids and if you can control something if you can make a change somewhere they're probably going to do it but yeah lots to talk about but uh obviously the most pressing being what's happening with uh, Panarin in that situation yeah so I guess we should definitely talk about Artemi Panarin and the news that kind of took all of New York City by shock you know, with there not being any, you know, New York Mets or New York Yankee baseball starting, uh, both football teams, the Jets and Giants not happening. WFAN, as, as I'm stuck in a van all day long, WFAN had a lot of coverage on it. And, you know, uh, Boomer Sison, obviously, he's a huge New York Rangers fan. And, and they did some great coverage on the Panarin situation. And, you know, it's unfortunate because there's so many different aspects to this. And at the end of the day, I think I speak for the both of us that number one, we hope that accusations are completely false. Number two, we hope that his family is safe if those accusations are false, because it obviously would have been a hit piece at that point. And given the structure of the, you know, of Russia and the politics within Within the reasoning behind this attack on Panarin, uh, we just hope that his family is okay. Uh, what were your initial thoughts? And, 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 you know, obviously tell us how you've collected yourself to this moment now after, you know, some details have emerged. Yeah, look, obviously, whenever you're dealing with any accusations of any sort that are serious, especially that one that would at least was intimated to be about something like, uh, you know, physically assaulting anyone you know much less a young woman you obviously have to be very careful Uh, so obviously the second i heard it i was like i'm going to collect all the facts here and and be patient and not be quick to jump to social media to either you know uh publicly lambast panarin or outright just say like this is bullshit and this is whatever you know now now that a few days the dust has settled between um you know we've various writers have you know, and former teammates of Panarin have either done some digging and some, you know, they're either use their journalistic integrity to try to find things out, or just former teammates have really come out in support and said nothing like that ever happened. Or, you know, even I think someone went as far as to contact the police precinct there, and that was never intimated. The KHL said, you know, nothing, nothing was ever on our books. You know, we never heard about it because obviously, if we had heard something like that happen, we would have investigated. And just the more that comes out, the more that it looks like this is clearly uh, a smear campaign against Panarin. Now, most likely, I think it's been speculated that the uh, the the coach, the former coach, uh, who has come out and said this against Panarin, in his statement, he alleged that you know it was the beginning that led Panarin down an evil path to oppose Putin, because Panarin, as we know, has been outspoken against. Uh, you know Vladimir Putin obviously and has shown support for Nalvani his uh, political rival and uh it's clear that this gentleman A is clearly has a history of mental instability uh you know B that I don't necessarily know this was orchestrated by Putin and his party himself but there's there, the speculation is that this was done as a way to kind of A ingratiate himself uh to that political party because he is a Putin supporter and that, yeah. And that, because he also makes claims that Panarin was stealing from teammates or something. And it's just the more that gets looked into this, the more that it seems like it is utterly false and it's, you know, absolute 
smear campaign and and yeah a bunch of horse manure so but that being said the rangers come out and they with a very strongly worded statement supporting panarin and literally saying like you know this is we believe this is a political you know uh (laughs) there are political uh this is more of a political component than an actual story here and yeah and panarin asks for a a leave of absence for the team. I think Boomer is the first, like you said, was the first to say he believes it's a two weeks to, you know, cause you, yeah. we, we know Panarin still has grandparents who raised him and some family are still in, in Russia. And if this is as serious as most people think it is in, on the worst end, yeah, they could be in danger of some sort. So you don't know if the, I assume this time is to examine legal options, make sure to, this isn't something that, you know, gains any more traction than it needs to, although it's obviously been all over the place recently. But I think for the most part, we can now almost unequivocally say that between it, they're actually not being someone to make the claim that this happened to them, an individual, uh, all the support, former teammates saying that it's not, nothing like that ever happened. I think someone said that, like that the, the most legs the story could have is that they were in a, a nightclub or something and someone got like pushed or something. You know what I mean? Right. You know, and, so which, yeah, I mean, and again, there's no no one. This wasn't a claim made by someone who feel like they were saying, oh, this is a claim made by a former coach with, a, like I said, a history of, uh, yeah, mental instability. And this is the same person that I think if you listen to it was a, a TJ Gagliardi on um, he was talked about playing in the, for him in the KHL on spitting chiclets and like the guy wanted to get him arrested, <laughs> you know, because he was just nuts. So. Um, yeah, but obviously, like I said, to wrap it up, like this is clearly a delicate situation. Obviously we wish Panera and his family the best. I think enough has come to light now, especially the more digging that's done and all it does seem to fur- further exonerate Panarin. but yeah, it's still a scary situation and you hope, hopefully he can eventually make sure everyone's taken care of and put it behind him. But yeah, right now it's kind of it's scary and the Rangers are without him, obviously. Right. And, you know, uh, listening to Boomer and Geo, they had a, um, I guess a sports media, but he covers Russian athletes in the United States out of Baltimore. And he, he was on and he was actually very good. And, and, you know, I, I don't want to make any jokes about, you know, the whole Putin thing because, you know, I I did see jokes obviously online, people poking fun and, and I kind of did at first too, but after listening to the interview and, and hearing his, you know, two cents on the situation is, you know, you know, Panarin might not be in danger directly, but his family certainly is. And, and this stuff is real. It's real, you know, it's real situations that, you know, unfortunately Russian hockey players have to face. They have faced things like this in the past with uh, Malkin uh, uh, having to be pretty much snuck out of Russia to be able to come to Pittsburgh and play after uh, being drafted. Um, the situation with, uh, uh, Pavel Bure uh, being extorted uh, and him being essentially his family being held hostage uh, against their will unless he sent them money. Uh, I know Fedorov had issues. So this is something that isn't new, uh, but it is something that, you know, you know, it needs to be taken serious. And, you know, we're not going to make any Putin jokes or anything like that, you know, especially, uh, you know, after. You know, everything that Panarin has done, and he just seems like a very unselfish person. You saw how he stepped up in the COVID situation, and, you know, it, it just, 
here's a guy that's expressing his political beliefs, and it's a shame that uh, you know things have gone this this far. I will say one more thing. Uh, the man, I wish I knew the the guy's name. It was such a uh, it was such a tough name to even say, unfortunately. But his uh, his take on the whole thing was that this was not actually done by Putin himself, but this has happened before with other athletes. And what it is is people who want to be almost like a kiss ass to Putin. Yeah, they want to ingratiate themselves to exactly like yeah. you know uh, exactly. So he he was almost certain that this has nothing to do with actual politics, but more people trying to kiss ass in the political world. So uh, hopefully, you know, Panera can get his family into a safe uh, place and he can join the Rangers back and uh, continue to help us try to win hockey games. So uh, you know. Obviously, Panarin, you know, we're thinking about you. And I guess we should get into a little bit of the news of the North. I know, I know, I feel like this is going to be your bread and butter because this puts <laughs> yeah. the Rangers in a weird situation, I think. So I want to hear your take on it before I give mine. Sure. All right. Well, obviously, we know now that uh, this morning, as James and I record this on a Wednesday, Cla- uh, Claude Julian and I believe I forget which one of his assistants was uh, let relieve of duties from coach head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, you know, they've been in a bit of a after a really strong. It seemed like they were started off pretty strong, but um, yeah, they've been struggling as of late. I believe that they're, you know, they're a pretty good five on five team, but I believe both their power play and their penalty kill are absolutely abysmal. And listen, I think as you've seen, most of the rancor out of that is that most of this, you know, if you show me a, a good coach, I'll show you a better goalie. That Carey Price has been really rough this year, and I'm not going to go into. There's enough is made about why, you know, why the Carey Price is like constantly looked at so highly despite his numbers being very suspect and up and down every year. Um, you know, and that's not me just bragging about Henrik Lundqvist being like the model of consistency for so long, even into his like, you know, mid thirties. Um, but, but yeah, but listen, I think in a nutshell, it looks like the reason he got let go is because Carey Price is having a real rough stretch and hasn't played performed well, but also listen they're they needed a change. Their penalty kills is terrible. They can't keep the puck out of their net when they're on the kill and they can't score goals on the power play. And that, yeah, they've struggled putting the puck in the net despite having that you know hot start with Toffoli who was you know like a like a man on fire but so obviously now after this happens uh I think uh it was Darren Drager or not excuse me not Darren Drager Jesus Eklund so obviously any Eklund rumor you have to take with a uh a grain of salt but Eklund says that the Rangers would absolutely be interested in Claude Julian and that uh, if his health, you know, he he mentions his health because you remember he had some mm-hmm. health uh, issues. He's had some health issues the last couple of seasons, especially now with COVID. But, you know, if he would be for it, that it was something they would be interesting doing. I don't know how much stock I put into that. I, I don't even necessarily know if was if Gorton was around when they hired him in Boston. I think maybe he was. I'm not sure. I forget when Gorton officially jumped over to the Rangers. But, you know, so maybe there is that connection there. But. I just don't, you know, I don't see it uh, if they're if they're not ready to pull the trigger on uh, Gerard Gallant. I don't know why they would be ready to pull the trigger on a Claude Julian, especially because, you know, their whole thing right now is development. And the knock on Claude Julian, which is pretty much the same knock on a Alain Vigneault, is that he's a guy that really leans on his vets. You know, so if you thought, you know, Rangers fans would be mad 
with the way, you know, Quinn is <laughs> doling out ice time to his younger guys under Claude Julian, you'd be furious. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, who knows? I think he is a better coach than at the NHL level than David Quinn. Absolutely. And who knows, maybe having Jacques Martin there as a, um, yeah, I don't know, just as, yeah, just like to run there, at least to take care of their penalty kill, because Rangers have been one of the best penalty killing teams in the league recently, you know? So, oh boy. And as I say this, the Flyers are now up uh, four to two on the Rangers. So, um, but anyway, that's neither. We all expected this with the, which we're going to talk about in our next segment. But, but yeah, listen, I, I don't know. I don't know if the Rangers necessarily, Claude Julian is a guy who would be tops of their list, but I'm sure, you know, if there is a, there might be a connection there and they might be interested in him. I know for a fact his, his five, his system play is much better. He's a much better NHL coach than David Quinn is at least. But at the same time, is he, you know, we always talk about Mr. Right and Mr. Right now. I don't definitely don't think he's missed. I don't know if he's Mr. Right, but I definitely know he's not Mr. Right now, but I do want to hear your take on, on this James. Well, you know, with the Montreal changing coaches, obviously looking at their, you know, the month of February falling to uh, Ottawa, I think they lost three, uh, three games against Ottawa, um, you know, team, a team that you should pretty much be beating up on or a team that you have to beat up on if you want to make the playoffs. Um, they make a coaching change and, you know, I kind of like it. I almost envy the move because Montreal's not... Uh, going to be patient this season you know they they realize that although they may uh you know not be at the bottom of the standings that they need a change and they need a change right now and with a shortened season they want to take advantage of the situation that they're they're in and you know I don't blame them for making the coaching change you know Montreal is nine five and four on the season they have you know a few bad losses and you know, they pulled the trigger right away. And, you know, I'm almost envious, envious of that because it, it's kind of what I wanted the Rangers to do. Because I don't think that the Rangers and a team like Montreal are really that far off in terms of, you know, where they could be in the standings. I'm not saying that the Rangers could win a Stanley Cup, but I'm certainly saying the Rangers deserve to be fighting for a playoff chance. And if a coaching change is the X factor, you know, bravo for the Canadians for making that change. I'm still waiting for the New York Rangers to do the same thing. I, I think it's pretty apparent that the longer the Rangers wait and, you know, don't strike on, you know, a coach like Gallant being out there, I, I think that the Rangers are going to stick with Quinn the entire year. Now, with this coaching change making, you know, Julian avail- available, you know, does that, in- I'm going to ask you this question because I truly don't know. Yeah. Does this, does this, coaching change with the Montreal's cause almost a domino effect where you see teams on the cusp just changing it up maybe hoping to strike gold and make the playoff you know I'm not really sure I think a lot of that has to do with internal expectations Montreal uh you know Mark Bergevin has said that you know this team they feel they're poised to compete now even though you look at that team and you're like really like you know I mean they're not a bad team on paper, but they lack really high-profile talent. You know, I mean, you can argue who are the superstars on those team. You know, Carey Price, and I say that in air quotes only. Uh, Shea Weber, and he's still at his age. He has things he does well, but he still has his, clearly has his deficiencies in terms of his foot speed at this age. Uh, and then, yeah, they have a bunch of promising young guys, but, you know, Kakaniemi, Suzuki, these guys aren't there. They kind of just win more by, by being a very pesky team at even strength between, you know, Gallagher and Deneau and, you know, these types of guys. But again, they don't really have a Panarin or a, 
they don't have the they don't have the at least the high profile lethal talent the Rangers at least on paper have. But at the same time, you know, they're they're coached pretty well. It's just they're you know, goaltending is really a bad stretch of goaltending has really put them, you know, behind the eight ball here. And yeah, but the teams themselves aren't really that too much different. But I think the internal expectation that they should be competing in their division, whereas the Rangers, I think, you know, John Davidson has repeatedly said patience and, you know, Vince has intimated that the organization is, you know, I mean, that he doesn't really sense there's much, uh, you know, Quincy is very hot. And yeah, I would believe that, too. I just don't I don't think, you know, even if they might even already have mentally prepared themselves to move on from Quinn at some point in the near future. I just don't know if it's like bearing, you know, that skid that they were in at first was getting was if it had continued to this point, it might be a conversation, especially because of how that can go on rookies. But, you know, Lafreniere scoring a goal and then winning two straight on the road is just enough for them to like, you know, kind of back off the ledge a bit, you know, and then now like a lo- if they lose, if if everything holds and they lose tonight, Obviously, with they've been hit with blues, not having Panarin and missing Heedle and having Miller and Kako on the COVID list, and you know you're the <laughs> playing Jack Johnson, who you know his groin state mills uh, might still be bothering him, and, and Johnny Brodzinski, who's probably most likely an ECHLer. You know, it's like, yeah, I just think they they can explain these things away. So I don't know if Quinn's seat is necessarily that hot, but at the same time, I do say that. There's maybe in their heads they think that they might you know angle for a Jim Montgomery or a Gerard Gallant or hell now maybe even a Claude Julian you know down the road when the time is right but at the same time they're not going to go maybe they feel they're or they're not going to go for a guy now especially if they feel like his coaching style is not suited to you know if they're not ready for him you know much less if if they're if the coach is ready for them type of thing you know. Absolutely. And, and, you know, there are coaches out there that are really on the hot seat. And I'm curious to see if just, you know, in general around the league, teams kind of, you know, ditch their coach. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the standings right now. Obviously, Dallas is struggling. Nashville. Oh, my God. Um, what's his name out of Nashville? He, he's got to be next. I don't know why Hines has a job. Hines. I mean, I know why he has a job because he's he's like good buddies with Poyle, but he's clearly not uh, an NHL coach. I've never really. No, I've never seen any evidence of the contrary. You know, the Devils were an abject failure. Uh, you know, I think right now a team like the Calgary Flames isn't exactly very happy with Jeff Ward and his coaching. Uh, I don't know if Travis Green is in trouble in, uh, you know, if for uh, the, the Canucks because of the expectations going to that season. But since it was only so far, it's only been kind of one pseudo disappointment season after they overachieved a bit last year. Uh, he might be fine, but yeah, I think they're, you know, and, and then obviously that doesn't count teams like Detroit where Blashill, I don't think Blashill will be there much longer, but it's very clear that after not getting Lafreniere, I'm sure that the, even though Detroit is trying to be slightly better, that they still have their, their, you know, their eyes set on, you know, upper tier talent in the draft. So yeah. So, and that's the other thing. It's about where you're at in your development, you know? Yeah. I I don't think Detroit is there uh, in the process where, uh, you would have to get a really hungry coach to want to take over that situation. I think, you know, if you're an experienced coach, a coach that's been around the league a bunch, you might want to wait until Detroit's a little bit further in the process uh, to jump right in because, you know, the next couple of seasons are going to be rough. And, and you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to rebuild from basically scratch and, and not getting lucky in the lotto, unlike the Rangers, who have been very lucky. Um, you know, I, I even saw, I think talking hockey had like Paul Maurice, like 
one of the highest odds, like one of the best odds to be uh, fired this season. And you, you look at them, the Winnipeg Jets, after everything that they've lost, I mean, they essentially lost like all their defensemen, you know, Truba being one of them. And Neil Pionk is just leading that team right now to an 11-6 record. And, you know, and he's on the hot seat or at least rumored to be on the hot seat. I mean, who knows, you know, what management is expecting, but they're currently third, a team that is exactly where I'd expect them to be in the stand, uh, if not maybe a little bit higher. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, it's crazy, Andy, because looking, you know, at everything that's happened the past couple of days, if you look at the New York Rangers roster going against the Flyers tonight, uh, it's kind of a throwaway game. Uh, you have no K. Andre Miller now. He's on the COVID list. You have Truba is out. You have Panarin, who's going to miss some time, probably about two weeks. You have an ice cold Mika Zibanejad. Um, Ryder finally, you know, is is realizing, hey, I can actually put pucks in the back of the net. But yeah, he'll be he'll be on for four games and then just go turn off again. So you know. right when everybody else comes back, he'll 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 switch it off when exactly. you know, we need him the most. But, you know, you look at our roster, it's pretty depleted right now. I, I just don't see them making coach, coaching change right now. I mean, I don't think that that's going to be the, the thing that helps us the most right now. You know, we need to get healthy and, and stay healthy and, and you know, kind of right the ship if we I, uh, fire out of control this next couple of weeks without Panarin. Yeah, and I think the closer, the farther we get in the season, I think the gen- the front office is, you know, maybe they're bolstering their uh, scouting a little bit more than they have been, just knowing how it's going to go. Because, you know, if everything keeps going, if their Rangers keep going the right they're at, they might have a chance at, unless they change the rules of the draft, they might have a chance to draft, you know, in that top three again. But even if they don't, it, it's looking like they might at least be in the, the bottom, they could potentially draft in the top five, you know, you know, worst case scenario or six. So, um, but yeah, it's weird. I, you know, a few teams are finally in little slumps. Uh, I think, uh, well, well Buffalo won one game, but then they lost again, right? Did yeah. They uh, they beat the devils actually their last oh, game that's right. uh, last Excuse night, me. like four one, I think. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's, but no, but still it's like, yeah, the, I, the division, the Rangers are in, it's just, it's a little bit, there's not as many <laughs> abject, uh, clear cut bottom teams because even the Rangers are, are prone to go on little runs themselves. And, you know, you can argue between the Rangers and Buffalo who just between not being able to get on the same page and just ever being plagued by injuries and inconsistency at the wrong time. And, you know, the Rangers luck this year has been bad. It's been, you know, they've been behind the eight ball. It's been an uphill battle for them every step of the way. And, you know, sometimes you just, you have to say, you know what, this season is clearly nothing's going our way, but maybe it's better if this happens. I always have been telling myself, maybe it's better it's happening now when this team is clearly trying to rebuild itself and trying to get there as opposed to when you're finally there and poised and you lose the season based on all the, the hijinks that the Rangers have been susceptible to. Although, and the same, I say that knowing that same time, there are teams like Boston that had so many injuries to start, but they're so good they didn't, they didn't miss a beat. And then they get Pasternak back. And, you know, right from the word go, he's been just as good, if not, you know, better than I remember. So, uh, yeah, just that's that's the mark of a great team. And the Rangers are not a great team, obviously, because, uh, you know, just I can't believe a year ago today, if I'm like the Rangers are, you know, obviously missing Panarin always hurts. But, you know, missing Keandre Miller and, and Philip Heedle and Kako, you're just like, man, oh, boy, like this is this is not good. <laughs> 
yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. Like, I like Pinto, and I, I remember everyone like, and this is the thing that I think Sense fans need to start realizing. We need to stop looking at the draft. We really need to stop looking at a player being like, he was drafted way too early. You know who you can make an argument who was drafted way too late? Mark Stone. Sixth round pick and now he's making nine and a half million dollars. Pajot, drafted I think in the fifth round and making five million. Hoffman. Welcome to the Sense Hour podcast, your number one source for Sense content, part of the Hockey Podcast Network, hosted by Shane from Ottawa and... And Derek from Muskoka, almost near Leaf Country out here. Um, but I think Clevin was, was right up there because they traded up to get him uh, with the Leafs. And again, they, they passed up some talented players for a guy like Clevin. But now Clevin's all of a sudden looking like a talented player himself. Like that goal that he scored um, in the third game in UND was outrageous. It was just not something you're expecting from the Twitter scouts, especially. <laughs> Sends our podcast, your number one stop for all your Senators content. New episodes coming at you every Monday and Thursday, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Have a good one. Stay safe. Take care. Yeah, tonight it is what it is. I, you know, I feel like after the past, you know, 48 hours that we both probably have had that we're just kind of like, you know what? This Philly game is kind of just a, a drop in the bucket. And, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean much other than it's a game that we have to play. And, you know, if we could steal a point out of it, I'd certainly be thrilled with that. But, you know, I think right now you and I looking at the big picture, looking at the Mass Mutual East standings, you know, there's really not much, and I'll say this with with a, you know, a little bit of uh, you know, opt- optimism, I should say. You know, we're not that far behind Washington or Pittsburgh or the Islanders no. or Philly. You know, and, and you know, and we're not that much better, I think, than Buffalo, New Jersey. If you really look at this this you know division, you know, I think a lot of people might say like they don't score a ton. This division doesn't score a ton of goals. They kind of play tough, like tough, close hockey, uh, and you know maybe that's because these teams are so familiar with each other. But I, you know, looking at this division, I, I really do think like obviously Boston is a clear cut favorite to win the Stanley Cup. Like it, it to me, it's got to be like a top three team, right? Yeah. And then you look at the rest. You know, I think they're going to be battle tested when it comes playoff time. Like whoever comes out of the East is going to be so battle tested. I think they could run through the other divisions because I, I'm, I'm honestly really not impressed. I mean, the Canadian division is kind of a joke. They literally don't play defense. It's almost like the NBA up there. And then you, and then you look at, you know, the Discover Central division and you got Florida Panthers just ripping it up. You know, Tampa Bay is always going to be there. They're obviously dangerous. Carolina is another dangerous team. But I don't like the way that division's playing. I, I, you know, I'm not impressed with that, their brand of hockey. And, you know, I just, I don't buy it. You know, I'm not sold on it. And then obviously you go out West and there's some dangerous teams out West, but again, another, another division where I'm not sold on the bottom five teams of that division. I don't know if playing those teams on a consistent basis all season long is going to gear you up, you know, for the playoffs. So whoever comes out of the West, you know, good luck if you're, you're facing the Boston Bruins round or, you know, in the semifinals, I should say, um, in the playoffs, because I, I don't know. I feel like Boston is getting battle tested with our division because of how tight it is and how close these games are. 
where the other divisions are so used to these blowouts and, you know, I don't know, it's a different style of hockey, different brand, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, they say style make styles make fights. And just like you said, watching as fun as those high flying games in the North are, you just know that the second they run into a well-structured Tampa or Carolina or Bruins team, it's uh, yeah, it might be lights out for them. You know, I, I obviously think there are, there is some clear cut talent out there. I think the avalanche could are poised to hang with any of those teams, especially the way they're, you know, all, they are all guns uh, firing on all cylinders right now. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, but even teams that are surprising, like the Blackhawks, you know, I've watched some of their games and it's just, yeah, listen, you know, Patrick Kane has been brilliant this season for them, at least offensively. So they've gotten the saves they need. They've gotten goal t- good goaltending when they need it. And then just, you know, uh, Debrinkit's kind of bounced back after, you know, maybe a down uh, season last year. And, you know, he looks good and everything Kane gets to him ends up in the back of the net and vice versa. It's just, you know, Kane is, uh, he's, he's just as good as he ever was. Exactly. You know, um, but and this is all without Jonathan Taze, mind you, uh, right. which is another discussion about how that where does that leave Taze or at least their the organization's viewing on. Is he a necessary cog for them for right now or should they move on from him? Try to get some, you know, rebuild a little bit around. Kane, is that but, is that COVID related? The Taze yeah, situation? I think he, he, he I don't think it was explicitly said, but the implication was that he was just not feeling 100 percent himself and he needed to like. Yeah, get it a handle on it. There might be some other underlying health issues there. We don't know, but I think you know he just feels like it's affecting him. And it, listen, we know by now that COVID affects different. You know, everyone differently. Some people get it, and they that they don't really have too many linger effects. You look at Mika; he's clearly been a step off. But finally tonight, he's actually looking like he's. You know, it took him how long to finally start? You know, looking accurate on net and like he's got some jump in his step. So, yeah, uh, yeah, and it's still been an up and down battle for him. So. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's what was, I think that's what was being kind of alluded. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things where to your point, James, I just think this is the, the, the mass mutual East division is definitely the tightest. Yeah. There's not much separating those teams that will be fighting for, uh, the third and fourth slot. You know what I mean? You can, I think they're all, all teams have good, can get good cold tending on any night. Maybe the, you know, Buffalo is the only exception, but between you know the Islanders and the way they play defense and being coached by Barry, Barry Trotz and Var, the way Varlamov's been and listen Blackwood's been good for the Devils when he's had to be and uh, Shesterkin's numbers are pretty you know even though tonight he's having a rougher night although you look at who's in front of him but he's other than that his numbers have been trending up solidly and he's just given them chances to win and yeah I think that's the one thing this this you have a division filled with pretty probably the best on average goaltending in the league for any division. Um, and, you know, also just you look at some of the how disciplined uh, some of the teams are, you know, I mean, outside of uh, Buffalo for st- stretches and the fact that by design, Alain Vigneault's Flyers team has, you know, they're like bottom of the league and shots on net. And then they're also like top of the league in terms of like shop, you know, they allow a lot of shots, you know, on them. But at the same time, their PDO and their, you know, is really high and they le- they're close to the league leaders and. Uh, high danger scoring because that's how he likes to play. He likes to play that rope a dope counter attack style, and you can see it a lot. But at the same time, you get it allows you to like get some quality chances, you know. So, uh, but yeah, I think for the most part, you look at all these teams, and the Devils are better structured. The Rangers, at least defensively, are better structured, you know, at the uh, sake of some offense. But um, yeah, it just the any team that thinks they're just gonna 
can you know outscore their problems is kind of in for a rude awakening when things tighten up and listen the rangers were that a team like that last year and they were awakened rudely when they got in the bubble and they played a team that actually had structure and it labeled them uh you know inept so yeah and you know obviously you know given the way the playoffs are set up this year the top four from each division will go on and play in a bubble situation and uh, two rounds and then the team representing each division will go into another bubble and represent their division in uh those semifinal and you know hopefully final you know whoever comes out of the east obviously kind of pull for them a little bit um you know the next thing i also wanted to discuss andy is with panarin's situation right say he does not come back for two weeks and it is what it is with two weeks it's a shortened season so those games mean a little bit more than if they were if it was an 82 game schedule and he was out for two weeks where do you see the rangers now being uh buyers or sellers at the deadline um you know you know obviously we've mentioned players like strom in the past obviously tony d'angelo is still up for grabs uh for teams that you know may want to see where they're at uh, come the deadline. But, you know, do you see the Rangers as being another year of selling some of these contracts off? Or do you see them kind of, you know, keeping their their pieces in check and, you know, waiting for you know, a few buyouts to come off the books next year? Yeah, you know, and that's the big thing is that are they waiting for all the decks cleared to do, you know, make most of their moves? Um, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of those contracts they gave out, you know, not knowing what, how it would play out with D'Angelo, but between Strom and Tony, uh, and also the expansion draft. I think that is something that's also been on their horizons and weighing all that. And I, yeah, for some reason, I don't get the really get the sense that it's possible a Strom could get moved or there, a team could reach out to the Rangers and just like, if Calgary continues to be inconsistent and it's just like, we need to change, we want to change things up whatever either change of scenery for like a monahan or uh you know just you know sam, they find, sam bennett still wants to to leave or whatever you know then maybe something had happened and we could see a strom go out you know the door or maybe one of the rangers prospects that hasn't made it up yet uh, and, and with a draft pick but for the most part i do i do get this the more time goes on i kind of get the sense that this is the rangers are just standing pat they're kind of letting their you know, their players get another year older and waiting for guys to get healthy again. And, you know, Lafreniere is clearly still trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, Kako, as good as he's been, is just, you know, been struggling to at least put the puck in the net. So, yeah, I just think they, you know, I, I feel like we've been saying this for the past two seasons, but I do think that they are reticent. And especially though some of the contracts this team has given out recently haven't been so haven't been so good, but I think Gorton is good one for at identifying players who need changes of scenery and, and flipping them. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. And again, I also don't know what type of, you know, I, I have no idea if Artemi Panarin, what type of pull he has with Jeff, or if he's something like Strom is a guy who I can play with and I play my best with. Like, I don't, you know, I don't hope that that's not the case, but at the same time, it might, that's might be how he feels. But uh, yeah, just for whatever reason, I think if the Rangers aren't, yeah, I think the Rangers are definitely strike me as more of a, because of where they're at and their development curve, more of a do their deals in the summer, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, around closer to the draft type team, just because it's like, like you said, they have all that money coming off the books. It'll make the landscape, you make their, yeah, it'll make the possibilities broaden their horizons a little bit of what they can do. You know, I do, I have speculated 
recently with everything they've been through. I think the one thing they wish they could do over is that they could have brought in a vet with like a capital V to be in that locker room to help them through stretches that they've gone through and all the ups and downs. Like I do think they're kicking themselves for not like maybe making the best offer for a Joe Thornton, you know, especially with their, with their, what their center depth has been, you know, and, and how playing with, you know, he hasn't been a revelation, but playing with, uh, Marner and Matthews has, has helped give them a little bit extra lease on life, you know? So I do think that they may be part of them saying we probably should have, you know, if we had a do over, our bottom six wouldn't be devoid of like a veteran presence, even if it was a guy who whose name carries a lot of water, but at the same time, he just wasn't what he once was like a Brian Boyle type or whatever. But I do think if they could have done it over, they would do that because I think they could have definitely used uh, a voice like that in this locker room throughout some of the difficult stretches they've had, you know, both internally and on the ice, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, that's super important too, because, you know, you know, looking back at all the drama that has happened over this season, just the ups and downs and the roller coaster that we kind of knew it would be, you know, both of us knew that this is a team that was rebuilding. And when you're rebuilding and growing, there's growing pain. And certainly the Rangers are experiencing them. But, you know, they don't have that locker room presence of, you know, a Thornton, of a Pavelski, you know, even Ovechkin, Crosby. Um, you know, there, there's not that guy to turn to. And, you, you know, uh, and you look at a guy like Henrik Lundqvist and, you know, you realize what he did in goal was so special. But the way he was able to control that locker room, you know, under Lundqvist, you didn't really hear of many problems or issues happening with this club. And, you know, the year that he leaves, it just so happens that, you know, it's the housewives of, of New York City in the locker room. So, you know, it goes to show you, you know, you really can't put a price tag on having that veteran leadership, having a guy that walks in the locker room. And when he walks in and he's upset, everyone shuts up, everyone goes to their stall and, you know, goes about their business, um, you know, and, and no one's speaking out of turn. No one's pointing fingers. There's no blame being had um, in and you kind of need that voice, especially with a team that is going through. Um, one of the you know biggest change, uh, I would say a two year, two year span change. Man, if you look at our roster two years ago and now, it's just like it's a bizarre world. You know, it's completely different. You know, with the draft picks that we were able to bring in and and some of the new faces that we have acquired uh, on free agency and of course you know, through trade. You know, we don't have that stable presence, and you know, again, it can't be said enough that the rangers certainly do miss it i think you're spot on with that um is it too late to bring one in though this season yeah i guess the problem is it becomes a matter of because there was a bunch of those guys in the offseason whether it was a you know like you said a wayne simmons or a, mm-hmm. um, a joe mm-hmm. thornton you know both who go to toronto and toronto maybe they're would like to be a little bit tighter defensively but at least you know offensively they've been the most dangerous team in that division um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I guess it becomes a bit about who's available, you know, who might be looking for change of scenery. Uh, you know, we've talked about Brian Boyle, but I, that's a, that is also an experiment that even though his name does carry weight and he's been in the league for a while, but he's also kind of been out for the last little bit. And yeah, that might, there might be, there might be a reason for that. So you, you worry and you don't know if it's like, can he still cut the mustard? Cause it's like, he's a guy who really needed uh, power skating lessons to really help save his career. And it did help and extended it definitely. But at the same time, it's like, you know, father time is unbeaten. So is he just 
is is he fast enough to keep up with the National Hockey League now? I don't know. But yeah, I guess it comes as like, you know, are there packages out there that you could nab a guy? Maybe on? Yeah, that's the thing. Is he still he's finally come on a little bit in Ottawa, but you know that it's really hurting him. You know, it's it's just the timing was so bad with uh, him having, you know, his wife having what twins, right? So yeah. he's got a bunch of kids at home, and he it's the you know, with Canada, it's just with quarantining and timing. So yeah, I just maybe he is a guy who is just looking to get back to the states anywhere. You know, he's probably not going. Arizona doesn't want him back, obviously. So, but yeah, who knows? Maybe that is could be with because he can still do a thing or two. And you know, I just again, it's just the contract is, you know, and what it, who knows what. uh you know, it's it's weird. It's like who is, you know, it's like I think it's one of those things where because Dorian's moving him would have to move him, they'd have to kind of take a little bath on it. So I, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know what the package would entail or how much they could retain, but at the same time, it's because we know one of the main reasons they looked they were sought him out is because it was his most of that money was already paid out to him, and it was just a the cap hit number, right? So, right, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. But at the same time, that is, a, you're right. That's a guy who, that's a team that's most likely going to be, um, you know, it's getting in the way of playing some of their younger guys and they probably wish they could have done that over. So yeah, maybe he is a guy they could go for. He, there's familiarity. His name carries weight. Uh, so yeah, I, again, I would definitely be for that. I think the Rangers clearly need some help up the middle. And if you could have a step on, you know, especially at a more attractive price, just have a guy that kind of floats around your middle six and provides a better, at least hopefully better defensive and, you know, smarter plays on the ice. And, you know, it's funny. I think a guy like if you played him on the third line with like a guy like Lafreniere, I think those two could, you know, because they kind of they, they play a similar thing where Stepan is, so, you know, slow as molasses, but he's just kind of always in the right spot. So I think him and Lafreniere can maybe maybe they could get something going. I don't know, but. I mean, look yeah. at, I mean, Strom was able to do it with Panarin, you yeah. know, maybe it's a, uh, we'll recapture that type of magic. Yeah, um, exactly. So I do, you know, want to close out a couple things uh, sure. as we wrap things up here. Okay. Number one is going to be the New York Rangers uh, play Boston twice in a row. Um, I believe they play them on, is it Friday, Sunday? Um, yes. Yes. So Gotta Friday, Sunday. You're looking at a potential drop in three in a row if they end up losing this game that they are currently losing 4-2. It looks like that's probably going to be a loss. You're looking at a, a three-in-a-row spiral, which obviously is never good. Um, you know, you know, are you as a fan, you know, obviously, you know, there's nothing you can really do if you're, you know, Gorton right now. But as a fan right now, or is it is it frustrating or have you kind of accepted the fact that, you know, the Rangers are now in, in, in trouble. Like I've, 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 accept, I think I've accepted it. Um, you know, listen, I'm happy with everything that's happened with the pandemic. I think I just, I'm, and yes, obviously I was all in and, and had high hopes for them early on, but I think I'm realizing it's just clearly with everything they've had to overcome so far and just kind of having hard realizations about maybe where they're at in their curve and just, you know, the person, maybe all the personnel clearly isn't there yet. And they have a lot of spot fillers and their defense, you know, they I've clearly have promise in the wings and even, you know, Miller making the team out of camp was a great surprise. But the fact that if that didn't happen where they would be, I think it's just kind of helped me reorient my expectations. So, you know what, listen, they're, they're just a team that has some nice high end pieces, but, between Mika having a, an off season and 
just all the the litany of problems between you know unlucky with injuries and COVID and just losing key players at like the worst possible times for all litany of reasons. I think it's just you know I think I've accepted that it's just going to be about hoping to see some development from this group, hoping Lafreniere can figure out the NHL game, hoping Kako can kind of take that step and show that what we're seeing can lead to on ice results and you know uh, so yeah it's that type of stuff so. It a part of it hurts, but then there's a part of it that kind of feels a little bit freeing in a sense where it's just like, you know, it kind of helps me, you know, and listen, I don't want to say that I don't think this team can, if they get everyone gets healthy and gets back together and they can turn a corner together, that would be amazing. But I just, with the way the season is and the fact how far they are in their schedule already with not much time left. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little less optimistic for that, but um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it is what it is. I'm, I'm not expecting if they get, two out of possible four points i'll be happy against the the bruins but again that's a team that's far in all cylinders they absolutely throttled the flyers in the outdoor classic game you know so um um yeah i think they're they're they look as confident as ever and you remember at least those games will be fun though right you remember how chippy it was between them in their last few meetings so oh, oh uh, the rangers just scored apparently all right four. So- don't give me hope who was it was it Kreider? did he get the hat trick let's see the game Hat trick for Kreider. There you wow, go. Wow, look at this. It's unbelievable. You know, and you know, the Rangers, <laughs> we can pencil them in for the fourth seed if uh for the mass mutual playoffs. You know, uh this team's gonna turn turn their season around starting tonight. Now, you know, I, I'm with you, Andy. At this point, you know, the most important thing is our young players, you know, get better every single game. And, you know, I just Keandre's success so far this season has been such a pleasant surprise. Kako looking like an animal now this season. Uh, just so much more confidence. Lafreniere, obviously the numbers, I don't think dictate his play and what he's been able to do so far this season and just kind of learn how the NHL game is played. You know, I, I envision us right now, Andy, we're like a snake, right? The snake sheds, constantly shedding its layers, you know, and, uh, and, and growing. And that's what the kind the Rangers need to do, you know? It first started with, you know, the sell-off, right? Admitting that, you know, right now the New York Rangers are, are, are a team that is, you know, selling and rebuilding. Okay, that was like phase one. Phase two is we, you know, gathered our picks, right? We won the lottery twice, right? Now we've gathered those assets. Now it's about time to experiment about, you know, we have our pieces. We got to let those pieces grow and then find, you know, the smaller, you know, uh, role players that are going to, you know, essentially be there for the New York Rangers, you know, as they become a team that hopefully is dominant in the NHL. So, you know, again, it's just, it's a process and we can't say this enough. And looking at their schedule and looking at this division, it, this year is not going to be easy. And, you know, the, the tougher they play and the longer they kind of hang around, you got to applaud this team. And, you know, it, it's, they stink right now. Let's face it. Like without Panarin, without Mika firing all cylinders, you know, without, you know, consistent goaltending, we have Jack Johnson, Potato, uh, we got Brodwinski or whatever his name is in the lineup taking, you know, penalties. You know, this team stinks right now, but they're hanging around. They find themselves hanging around with the second best team uh, for point percentage wise in, in the mass mutual. So this is what we are. You know, we just got to kind of embrace the stink that we are right now and hopefully shed that layer of skin and rot and stink 
and we blossom into, you know, a butterfly. I know I'm going different animals here, a snake into a butterfly, but you know, that's what we are, Andy. I, I don't know if I could set it any more beautifully myself. <laughs> and you're, you're right. That's kind of where they're, uh, that's kind of where they're, they're at. It, like you said, it's, and we're finally starting to see them like push to close out gaps. And these are things that were foreign concepts to them earlier in the season. So yeah, I mean, listen, you do maybe hope that once Kako is back and Heedle's back from injury and feeling good and, uh, Panarin is over his issues and they have everyone. If they say to themselves, we're still in this, we're all back together. The excuses are gone. Uh, we're, we're stocked full of antibodies. Let's do this. Who knows? Maybe they can, but Right now, uh, yeah, right now it's obviously an uphill battle for them, but I do think it is making them stronger, you know, for the, in the long haul. You just, it's obviously, right, it's ultimately about making sure it doesn't seep, like the negativity doesn't, you know, uh, become corrosive, right? But at the same time, I think as long as they, yeah, you, you, if, if you, their vets can keep doing what Kreider's trying to do tonight, uh, you know, when he feels like it, I guess, you know, I think at least that shows the young guys. It doesn't matter what type of situation your team is in or where they're at or what their expectations for them are. You have to keep pushing and battling and getting better. And yeah, and I think if they can do that when everyone comes back and is healthy and I think, yeah, I think they can finally realize they can actually do something because listen, the potential is clearly there. So um, I'm now torn if I'm going to turn the call. I was going to call this uh, when it rains, it pours, but I'm going to, well, I think I might now call it snake into a butterfly. Well, I do. I do want to make one more point yeah, and yeah. I can close it out right here with yeah, this let's point. See here. Let's do it. Bring us home, baby. Okay. February 26th, the Boston Bruins go to Madison Square Garden and face off against the New York Rangers. And for the first time in God knows how long, there will be fans in the seats at Madison Square Garden. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.